Ah, the teenage years. So much fun, right? No stress, full of peace and harmony? Not really. Maybe you would like some helpful advice to navigate through the rough waters of the teenage years. I know I did, and I think most parents would say, yes, please share the wisdom. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. For those of you who have young children and think, how am I going to get through this tough time? Taking care of little ones is so hard. But wait until they grow into the teenage years. When they're teenagers, they're just bigger kids with bigger issues who throw bigger tantrums. Now, don't get me wrong. Every now and then I'll hear a parent say, my kid was great through his teenage years. We never had a problem with him. He was just an angel boy. And I would say, wow, you're blessed. Most teenagers are a handful. But usually this is the time that parents start to see more gray hairs on their head. I know I did. And I've had a few requests for ideas on how to navigate the teenage years, so I decided to do some research. I recently read the book Boundaries for Teens by Dr. John Townsend. It's a valuable resource for parents today. I highly suggest if you have a teen, you should get this book. And I would like to share some of his ideas in this episode and the next episode, in addition to what I learned attending Biblical Parenting University. And as always, Seeking Wisdom from the Word of God. I hope these suggestions and ideas will help make the teenage years more manageable and enjoyable for both you and your teen. Let's start with the most important thing, communication. If you can't communicate with your teenager, then you can't make progress. If you and your teen have always been able to communicate well, maybe because you were sure to communicate about everything with your child when they were little and you've continued to do so, then you're ahead of the game. But if that hasn't been the case, just remember, it's never too late to start. One thing you can do is to start with factual questions. This may be a non-invasive way to start communicating with your teenager. For example, you could say, hey, John, I haven't seen your friend Susie for a while. How is she doing? Well, she's okay, mom, but she got in a huge fight with her mother. Oh, really? Well, that's sad. What was the fight about? About her not being able to drive the new car. Oh, well, how do you think that made Susie feel? She was really mad. How would it make you feel if that happened to you and we said you couldn't drive the new car? I would be mad too. Why wouldn't I be able to drive the new car? Or if they don't answer you, you can say, I understand how that would be frustrating. After all, you can drive the old car. Why not the new car? You see, you want to be able to help your child express the emotions they're feeling, giving them words and examples, because sometimes they just don't know how to express their feelings properly, and they can become frustrated very easily. And talking about others is a form of neutral ground communication. It's a good technique to start help the parent and the teen to feel comfortable communicating with each other if they haven't been doing so. Always thank them also when they're sharing information with you. You can say, hey, thanks for telling me about Susie. I was wondering what happened to her. They will feel more likely to share with you again, especially when they feel you're not judging them or their friends or continuing to have a long conversation with them. Watch for opportunities to have conversation, but 
not when they're watching a movie or playing video games or engaged in something, because I know firsthand that doesn't go well. I was guilty of interrupting them when I needed information or wanted to tell them something. After all, I felt, look, I'm a busy mom. I volunteer for everything. I'm taking care of the house, the husband. I'm taking care of you teenagers. And if I want to interrupt something you're doing because I need an answer, I'm going to do that. But, you know, all that does is cause them to ignore you or to get angry with you. Maybe take them out to dinner. Let them choose the restaurant. They'll be more apt to want to go out to eat. And let them lead the discussion. Once you bring something up, if they don't want to talk about it, you need to let it go. They'll be more likely to discuss it with you later when they feel that they're in the mood to talk about it because you have not pressured them to do so. Remember, the mood swings that teens experience are caused by hormone fluctuation. They could be happy one minute and crying the next. Try to recall how you felt when you were a teenager so you can empathize with your child. And don't constantly try to fix it. Listen more than lecture. They want to be able to come to you as a sounding board, not to be criticized or put down or told what to do. You know, they believe they're young adults and they want to make decisions. Be there to support them and guide them, to coach them and to walk beside them. I know it's hard because I still try to tell my children, who by the way are 29 and 31, what they need to do. My son recently said to me, Mom, I'm just talking with you. I'm not looking on advice how to fix it. When disciplined teens, remember, they learn more from what they experience and that you must always follow through with your consequences for misbehavior or disobedience. You know, rules are nothing but words on paper unless you stand behind them and enforce them. The more teens learn from their consequences, the more they will develop an internal structure that helps them to make a better choice. Dr. Townsend said it's good to define your boundaries and your rules. It's a teenager's nature to push against the parent, right? Because they're trying to find themselves. I know my children were, and they're trying to find their place in the world also. They want and desire autonomy. So establish boundaries. You know, sit down and tell them, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Here's what's going to happen if you don't obey. And stick to those boundaries. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be a wish-washy parent. For example, little Johnny keeps saying, Mom, I want to go. I want to go. And he's pulling on his mom's shirt. And he starts to cry. And he won't stop until mom gives in. Or maybe it's a teenager who insists his mom stop what she's doing right now and take him to the movie theater to meet his friends. And he won't take no for an answer, and he continues to badger her and come at her. Versus a parent who has set boundaries, rules, and regulations. You see this when a child is told, no, you will respectfully be quiet and wait until I'm ready to go. And that child obeys. Or the teenager who says to his mom, okay, mom, do you think you can take me to the movies when you're done? Then he respectfully leaves her alone until she's ready to take him. Wouldn't you love that to happen every time? I know it doesn't happen every time, but this is what we strive for. Boundaries and rules are good for kids and parents, for their mental sanity and peace in the home. Our parenting should be done with grace, truth, and strength, and we should seek community. Community first and foremost is with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with other Christian parents, teachers, pastors, grandparents, aunts, and uncles. And don't feel like 
I don't want to burden people, or I'm embarrassed, or I should be able to do this myself. People who love you want to help you. You are not a burden to them. And don't be too embarrassed at the cost of not seeking help and wisdom for the betterment of your child. Self-sufficiency is not enough. We seek support from others for various situations. Why not seek help in parenting when we need it? And guilt is a tool of the devil to keep you from becoming the very best parent you can be. Guilt is focusing on your mistakes and failures when that energy and time and, and commitment should be turned towards helping your teen become the person God has created them to be. We all fail at parenting. There's not one perfect parent. I know I was not the perfect parent. Far from it. The fact that you're listening to this podcast indicates that you care about raising your teen to be a self-sufficient, God-loving individual. So please, kick guilt out to the trash because that's what it is. It's trash. It doesn't help you and it only hinders you. If you have deliberately done something you know you shouldn't have done, then just ask for forgiveness and move on. That teaches your children also how to ask for forgiveness when they've done something wrong. Keep looking forward. Forward is where you progress and grow as a spiritual leader in your home. Instead of guilt, you can have remorse. Remorse focuses on the other person. You can ask for forgiveness and learn from your mistakes. You could say, I'm sorry, Johnny, that I screamed at you. Please forgive me. I know that screaming is not the way God wants me to communicate with you. Healthy remorse will benefit both you and your teenager. Harmful guilt could cause destruction beyond repair. And read between the words, the angry words. When your teen says, I hate you and slams a door in your face, maybe you're fearing of losing the love of, his, of your child or your teenager. But they don't hate you. They love you. They are expressing their anger against your boundaries or something that they just don't understand or agree with. You'll hear many people say, if your child says he hates you during the teenage years, then you're doing something right. Don't fear the rejection of your teen because that could cripple you from parenting effectively. Just reassure your child that you're always there for him when he's ready to reconnect and that your love has no boundaries or no limits. The father, his love has no boundaries or limits for us, and we should extend that to our children who are created in his image, who are the very best things we've ever received from God. And if he isn't talking to you, he's throwing a silent teenage tantrum. And we know as parents, we're not to give in to tantrums. All you would be doing is encouraging that behavior because the teen will realize that it is a tool he can use to manipulate you into giving him what he wants. And as I said before in previous episodes regarding younger children, wait until things calm down and have a conversation with your child. And tell him or her that type of outburst and behavior is disrespectful. And there will be consequences and loss of privileges if it happens again. And don't give more than one warning. Give him one warning and then dole out the consequence. Just remember when you were a teenager, you probably didn't relate well to your parents telling you no or not giving in to your desires or your demands. I hope you found some nuggets of information here that are helpful. And again, we will continue this discussion in the next episode because I have so much more to offer. This is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.